I'm Gentleman Josh Hill. I'm Aaron Jeffrey. I'm Jasmine Jasmus. I'm Mike Malak. I'm Rafael Stop. Tune into Don't Tap. Don't Tap. Don't Tap. Don't Tap Podcast. Don't Tap Podcast. John Jones. Follow me on Twitter. Hey, I'm UFC President Dana White, and you're in the ring with Callum McGregor. To me, the Lions are the number one rankings out there. Those guys are the ones who really do their homework. Man, I want to start saying the rankings are bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> from Canada. Got a really high fight IQ. But this fight, I'm telling you. Okay, Don't Tap Podcast, UFC 289. We are back again. Uh, we dropped an early picks podcast where we, we broke down a couple of spots early with Uncle Wheezy uh, when there was really no lines at all out. Now there's a little bit of over, over-unders trickling in, and uh, we wanted to bring in Billy Briz. And Nick and I wanted to go over our lines again and see if we sort of switched on lines or doubled down. Let's bring in Billy Briz. Um, Billy, what is your uh, first pick for the evening? Yeah, uh, it wouldn't be proper of the UFC to come back to Canada without future Mike Mallett on this card. I mean, he's definitely the A-side in this matchup and uh, one that the UFC is trying to promote here in this spot. So it makes me have betting interest. Uh, I don't really care about the price tag as long as I know the dude's going to get his hands raised. Uh, that's what I really care about. And he's shown more of a finishing ability of recent dangerous on the ground and his striking has definitely been developed developing so one may ask why is it mike mallet a minus 400 favorite in this spot i mean fugit's riding a lot of momentum in this spot uh mallet has yet to win a fight that's gotten out the second round um eventually throughout his ufc career as he takes steps up in competition i definitely think a striking defense will be his achilles heel but i think mallet is more than enough uh i i think he has enough tools in the bag to win this fight somewhat betting on his cardio being okay here in this spot uh despite not seeing it on film if the fight gets extended i expect uh the action to be coming from mallet so he could be up two rounds and maybe lose the third if it goes to a decision or something like that uh fugit's not a bum by any means he's a good wrestler he has a high fight iq and uh he'll be taking a lot of the sharp action on the line that would be my projection but i'm gonna be patient see how this line goes um in a weird way, I hope this line gets worse, if that makes sense. Uh, sometimes on oh, these pay-per-view events, you see a lot of public action, a lot of sharp action. Mike Malley goes like minus 215 to like minus 250 or 275 or 300. That's when you know Mike Malley's definitely going to win this. Yeah, you know, for me, I was trying to stay off at least to some degree. Um, there's a couple spots in the fight that I'm looking at. Um in talking with him, he had broke down. When he fought Mickey Gall, it was more, you know, although he he felt he was decent on the ground to be able to go down with him there, he knows that Mickey's wind condition is the backpack. So he's willing to stand in there and bang um, and actually even get in the pocket, but then create space with those hooks. It's something even Fugit actually noticed in, in, I guess, doing tape on him a lot, how he's able to go in the pocket. He does take one, one or two and gets hit, but he creates that space and catches you with those powerful hooks. Um, and then moving into the Lioness fight, he didn't want to have anything to do with Lioness's power. He felt like he could bang with him, but he, he didn't want to. It just didn't make sense, right? So he kept the distance using those kicks, forcing Lioness to try to force the distance, um, to close the distance, and then takes him down. So in this fight, I asked him, I said, straight up, how can you, like, how do you really honestly see you win the, winning this fight? And obviously, he's not going to give me the straight answer, but he did say this. He said that with Lioness, there was distinct, one thing he had to stay away from, it was the power. With Gull, it was the backpack. With Fugit, there really isn't anything specific that jumps out. But he did say he is well-rounded and at a certain level, so he is going to respect that. Now, I don't know if you're going to see a little bit more out of him a lot where he's not going to jump in and try to capitalize on something like he usually does because he doesn't really see a distinct thing that he's you know, going to try to counter. So I, I think you're going to probably see him sort of be a little more patient in this fight. I think this fight could go into round two. 
Um, I could be wrong. You can go and just steamroll him. I don't know. But I think, honestly, this fight could go into round two based on some of the things he was talking about. Um, I like Mike Malott round one and two. I don't know what the line's going to be. It's not out there yet. But I think just to cover your basis, to cover that round one, because it's been hitting at a, a clip, but then hit that round two, I can't see this fight getting out of round two. Um, also, with talking with Uncle Weezy, we had the violence parlay that we had built. So half of the violence parlay is out already. Oliver Dariush under two and a half is minus 166. A lot to you get fight doesn't start round three. Will be the second half of the violence parlay that will uh, see if Billy puts his stamp on as well too. Um, I love it. I love it. Um, as much as I like Mike Mallet, I feel like the under two and a half would be the spot. Yeah. So if yeah. you look at the under two and a half right now, it's minus two forty five, and the best line you're getting on Malat right now is minus two ten. So I think the under two point five probably covers both your asses, anyways. I like, you, the, I like the fight doesn't start round three, man. Uh, wait for that line to come out. Drop your parlay then because I don't think that the under two – do you think the under two and a half from Oliveira Darius is going to get juiced or do you think that it's going to sit at minus 166? Because if it sits, wait for the round – fight doesn't start round three. If you don't, then just hit it now. Yeah, I, I prefer the under two and a half with Malak because I think if Malak finishes Fugit, it's going to be early. And if you look at Fugit's wins, they're generally in the second and third round. So if anything, it would be Malak getting tired – and Fugate kind of getting himself a late finish. So I don't think you're going to get much more value on the fight. doesn't start round three. Like, you may get, like, 20 points on the dollar. So I think the under 2.5 or even fight doesn't go, depending on how juice it ends up being, is probably the safer way for a parlay. Nobody likes messing a parlay. I agree, Nick, a thousand percent. I definitely want that extra half of five. The minus 166 may get juiced up, so you may as well just smash that now. So that both fights... Under two and a half will be the violence parlay um, that we will roll with. Nick, um, do you have any any thoughts on this fight? Um, obviously, like I said, I can't really. I, I think Malat rides here. I'm not going to go on about it too much. Uh, you know, I sort of detailed what he had talked about, but I'm not going to really pick a side too much because you know that I'm biased as hell. So, what's your uh, take on this one? Any props you're looking at? Anything you'd like to see? No, the only problem I see right now is Mike Malat by submission is plus three hundred. Uh, I think. At the end of the day, like, you know, I think there's a good chance that he clips Fugit. But then we saw how easy he got the submission over Lioness. And I think that's probably, like, the path least resistant for him. Uh, Fugit's never been submitted, so I feel like you're probably going to get decent line value there. Um, but other than that, man, I have him a lot in a parlay already, and I like the under. But I wouldn't go chasing props too much on this one. I think we've kind of already covered what we can, what we can do with it. Yeah, that makes sense. So I like the violence parlay, gentlemen. I like uh, let's I like the you know the sort of detailing exactly how we're going to break that one down. And yeah, Malad even had a little bit chalk does make sense. So next fight, Nick, I'll let you sort of jump in whether it's a new one or a one that you did talk about with uh, Uncle Weezy. Uh, just give me a sec here. Yeah, so I'll go to the other side of the parlay. Just um, as a point out, I have a lot. I have a lot. Uh, Blake and Roundtree in a parlay. But Roundtree fights were obviously off at this point. Um, so to talk about Blake, I just think that he's gonna beat Kyle Nelson everywhere. Like I understand that you know Kellen put out a nice video today that was very I was well just done. Mess with you. It's your yeah, favorite man. band, and it's someone that you're fading that's Canadian. So I thought I'd just mess with your soul. I know, I know. It's just, by the video. Yeah. You know, it definitely made me change my opinion, but not enough for me to change my pick. I just think that at the end of the day, man, Kyle Nelson, he's never really shown me anything that's made me overly impressed. I know, like, with Blake, like, he didn't quite get his opponent out of there in his last fight where everybody thought he would just come out there and just mantle young. But he also showed me a lot in that fight where, you know, he's durable. He's able to go the 15 minutes. 
he will keep shooting for those takedowns to keep landing the combinations. And he's capable of mixing things up where I see Kyle Nelson as the type of guy that if he doesn't get uh, his opponent out of there or he can't control the pressure, he kind of just gets frustrated. So I like Blake a lot in this spot. And the line reflects that, man. He's a minus 230 favorite, so. Yeah, I mean, for me, obviously, that's one I was staying off. But I think that Uncle Weezy did make a little bit of a good point um, just for the level of competition as far as, you know, the pedigree. is like At least sorry, as far as the volume of uh, high-level competition that he's had, um, Nelson being faded at plus 190, depending on where that line goes, man, that, that's an interesting thing for a KO prop. Um, but, yeah, no, I get it with the builder sort of side how everybody's sort of leaning towards builder but at the same time he's just what is he under 10 fights right now yeah he's fairly mm. young into his career i don't know man it just feels like one of those what do they call that again over at that show was an apple pie shitter i'm just fucking around it definitely does feel like one of those but um once again another biased scenario so don't take my word on that one go with exactly what your instinct is and stick with stick with your guns in a weird way, Colm, I kind of agree with you. On paper, you, and you first think about the fight, you think Blake Builder would smoke Kyle Nelson, and then you really start thinking about it, and you're like, man, it, it, Kyle Nelson, it feels like that's been the narrative for his last like three to four fights. And he gave Billy Q a run for his money, he gave Jai Herbert a run for his money, and all those fights were juiced to go like under two and a half, and I remember losing a lot of money betting unders on Kyle Nelson fights. Um, in a weird way, I could see this being a – if Builder doesn't get Kyle Nelson out of there, I could see this being a greasy split decision. If you come down – if you really break it down to the X's and O's, I think Kyle Nelson's a little bit more experienced. Um, he might have a little bit more finishing upside, and he's the more physically stout person in this fight. And he might have better cardio. So it's just like, I don't know. I like Blake Builder. I think he's a good prospect. But um, you're getting damn near plus. You're probably going to get plus 200 by fight time on Kyle Dude, Nelson. You're going to have like plus 210 and a guy that throws everything that he throws is damage, or at least he tries to damage you with everything he throws. He's high-level Muay Thai, right? So I don't know, man. I just think that that's just a, a scary prospect. Some people are even parlaying up Builder and it, it's just this fade narrative, right? You get a bunch of cappers talking about it, a couple of YouTubers doing this and doing that. Everybody starts to it gets funneled through, and then all of a sudden, one guy is so shit and they fade him. And I know that once again, I'm biased on the flip side, but I even found myself buying into the you know fade of other guys in the past, and it's burnt me. And you know the apple pie shirt could be there, so I, I could see it, man. Um, Nelson could also look to the grappling, but Bilger does sort of bring a little bit of chaos, and Nelson's been a little more reserved lately, so. Builder brings chaos, like one one of the two, like one of the other is going out. I think that, you know, there's going to be counter hooks there. I think Builder's slided to get something there. I don't know, man. Definitely interesting. I feel like the biggest problem with Blake Builder betting on him at this price tag is that he's low volume. Granted, like, if you look at the Shane Young numbers, they look a little bit better than what the film actually showed. If you, like, rewatch that fight, it wasn't like Blake Builder was throwing everything in the kitchen sink and the shit was coming fast and he was coming in furies. Like, I don't know, man. I feel like Blake Builder is good, but he's not great. And You and Uncle Weezy aren't doing your job, good. man. You and Uncle Weezy aren't doing your job. You're supposed to talk us off our Canadian bias, and you're, you're, you're leaving out threads and little things to pull on to uh, – to make some prop bets out there. So, but yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah, man. I, think I like Kyle Nelson in this fight, man. Uh, I'm going to have to do a little bit more research and see about the props and stuff like that. But 
it pre-flop lean would probably be Kyle Nelson here in this spot. Based on what a go ahead. Yeah, no, I understand, man. I see it. So the way then Callum knows is the way I do my tape studying is I don't look at any lines. I do all my tape study and then I write down who I think is going to win. And then I look at it. And for me, it's just, I said, Kyle Nelson to, to me, like, yeah, he's got everything, all the attributes that people say, but it's, you know, I like, it's like last week, man, where like the whole world jumped in on me, you mean Gaffroff and I had a decent bet on John Castaneda. I'm like, I just like, I sometimes the world sees something completely different than me. And, you know, that could burn me, man, because I got a decent bet with Builder and Malad, so. But I'm just going to let you know, I'm going to invite you down to a barbecue in the summertime at House of Champions. We'll see if they, we can get them, get you down there, and you can hang out with Diana Belbita and, and, and Kyle Nelson. Look forward can you get to me it. the over 2.5 shirt? Because that's exactly where that fight's going. I'll take the takedown pro. But anyways, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that later. Um, I will jump in with a spot. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just double down on my dog of the week. Um, it was actually Uncle Weezy who brought it to the table something that he was looking at. I don't know how committed he is to it now, but I think that he, even watching stat takers, he presented a couple of points that made me even solidify my, my thoughts. Although he was sort of saying, you know, Jasmine in marching down her opponent does get tagged quite a bit. She doesn't go anywhere. She doesn't get tagged. She doesn't get fit. Like she doesn't get phased and she keeps going. And then I watched more tape on the Natalia Silva fight. I watched Miranda Maverick's footwork. And I, I know that, the, you know, it's not that this is a hot take, but the, the footwork is so different. And the reason why Jasmine couldn't get to Silva was because of her footwork and her cage work, like just getting off the cage. She was circling off the cage really well and, and countering her. Um, Maverick's not going to be able to do that. If you look at this line right now, it's plus 260 at B-Win. Maverick's there to be taken down, man. She's uh, She was taken down once by Barber, twice by Jillian Robertson, and, and seven by Blanchfield. And I know that Blanchfield is a beast, but um, – I'm sorry, but Jasmine's wrestling is, is is really, really high level. It really is. So I know that she didn't get to close the distance. I know that a lot of people are all over her striking, but I think we're getting distracted by the striking. I don't see this playing out on the feet a lot. I think this is going to be on the cage a lot. I think this is going to be on the ground. It's going to start on the feet, but I, I don't think it's going to stick there. And if you're going to tell me that this could wrestle, there could be some greasy situations on the cage and then some uh, work on the ground. I'm on... I'm on Jasmine, man. Her takedown defense right now is 72%. I know that Maverick's been taking people down, but she took down Sabina Mazzo and Shanna Young um, and nine times in those two fights, which is great. You know, she went to D1 Maverick. She's not going to take down Jasmine. She's going to look to try to keep it up and strike with her because that's her win condition. And Jasmine, that's going to play almost into the, the situation for Jasmine. By Maverick maybe not mixing it up, Jasmine's going to be able to uh, take her down. And I just like the, the line, man. Plus 260, and even looking at maybe Jasmine by decision, I don't know what that line's going to be at. But, man, um, I just think it's too wide, and I think it's disrespectful. Do I think that if these two women fought 10 times, it almost splits down the middle? I honestly do. I think this is closer to a pick I just think because Maverick has had uh, a little bit more of a pedigree uh, – sorry, a little bit more – wrong word um, – a level of competition compared to Jasmine. Um, the line's so wide. But if this is a wrestling match, it's not plus 260, and this is going to be a wrestling match. At least that's what I think. So I got Jasmine as my dog of the week. Weezy was sort of leaning that way, at least as a pick. And uh, we'll let Billy jump in. Billy, what's your thoughts on this one? Um, I just don't like the line. Um, I think Jasmine is a huge live underdog in this spot. But the problem for me to pull the trigger pre-flop is it's not even about the attributes or the style of the fight. I just think there's a lot of win condition for Miranda Maverick in the first round, meaning like 
How do you attack a live betting opportunity pre-flop on a UFC fight? Who do you think is going to win the first round? I think Miranda Maverick wins the first round probably like 60 70% of the time, and she probably goes up to like a 350 or a 375 favorite. And then we grab Jazzy round two, and she wins round two and three, and it becomes a split decision. I think that's the way I'm looking at this fight is Jasmine by split, Jasmine live bets, because I have a feeling like – People are going to see Miranda Maverick, see the highlight film and shit like that, because uh, this fight's going to be on ESPN. Uh, it's not going to be on the early prelims. It's going to be on ESPN. So people are going to see the highlights and shit like that. And a lot of these lines get juiced right before the fights start. And I could see more money coming in on Miranda Maverick and her end up shitting the bed after the first round. Or uh, I don't know, man. Uh, there's a lot of different ways this fight can go. It's well, women's MMA saying, by right? like, it's I, 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 the plus underdog. Sorry, at, at the highest level, like. For men, there's a huge difference between like four and 15. But with women, it's it's not as much. Maybe not four, maybe like six or seven and 15. So it's like, that's why when these lines get so wide, it's a little greasy, man. And if this goes to the decision, I mean, sure, like I said, it could split either way. And I really do like that live approach. You're getting me, getting me going there. I wasn't even thinking about the live. <laughs> well, the live, the live approach is actually a really good way to do it because if it does – you know, maybe one takedown by Jasmine in the first round, but it doesn't really go too far. But then she gets tagged a little bit more in that first round. We may get a little bit more money on her. And then she goes into wrestle mode two and three. So not a bad way to look at it. Um, Nick, besides over two and a half, do you have anything to say or do you just want to? Jasmine, just... Jasmine, vicious second round submission plus 3,800. Oh. How did you just go from, wait a minute. How did you go from over two and a half to I'm not touching this line to dude it's plus 3800 man I'm just saying it so that you can clip it if it happens I, well I mean that's not really cool I don't want to be putting up shit like that but I, will, <laughs> I, I, could, I could actually I could actually reinforce that a little bit because she's Oros Boros is down the street um and it's a hot like a pretty solid ass BJJ um club and that's where Malat's going that's where a lot of them are going down it's turned into sort of like a like Malat called it the golden horseshoe super team and you have like six or seven gyms where everybody just trains at at each other's gyms and they've been grappling like crazy down there so I mean it's not a crazy prop it's not she's down on the ground you've seen her put girls in a crucifix I mean plus 3800 definitely interesting um you Uh, see that second round sub yeah (sighs) yeah but um to be real honestly I agree with you guys like to live bet, this is the best way to do it. Because right now she's plus 250. Even if she does drop the first round, you're going to get a better line on it. And more importantly, if she's landing takedowns, which is a good chance she will, that proves that she's capable of doing it. She has 15 minutes of cardio. You can still jump in at like plus 180, plus 155. Like you're going to see where that fight's going to happen. Like I said, we got Adam in our group chat, man, who literally all he does is live bet. And he waits, he sees, and he'll drop like $500 on people. Because he, you know, you can see yeah. how that's turning, and this is the literally probably the perfect fight for it because both these girls got three round cardio, and whoever controls the dance is probably getting that decision or a second round sub at plus thirty eight hundred. And with Jasmine's control time, that's definitely interesting. So something to look at. I didn't think you would pull out so many spots. You guys are making me feel like I'm not the biased motherfucker, and maybe you guys are. Um, Billy Briz, take it away. What's your next spot? Yeah, I love Nate the Train. He's one of my favorite UFC fighters Nate on the, the roster. Train, baby. 
But you got to know uh, the fighters that you love. And this is a horrific stylistic matchup for Nate the Train and a huge step up in competition. While Danny Gay might not live up to the 50K nickname of recently, that doesn't dis- disregard his resume at all. I mean, since his Dana White debut, uh, Dana White Contender Series debut in 2017, he's fought the who's who in the UFC. And the public's going to see that he's 2-4 and four in his last six fights. But look at those four losses. Calvin Cater, Chan Young Sung. Uh, fucking Josh Emmett, Mozart Ivalov. I mean, that's fringe top five or top ten. I mean, Laneware has shown some durability concerns. He's been dropped in 50% of his UFC fights. Laneware might be one of the most hittable fighters in the division, and Ige holds a lot of power in his hands. Ige is going to continuously find the chin of Nate Lamware. Uh, I, I honestly think that Ige gets an early knockout on Nate Lamware, or it's Lamware coming alive late in the third round in desperation, trying to find a finish after from being down in the fight. Um, I like Dane Ige as a parlay piece this week. Uh, one of my more confident picks of the card. And I'm the same as that guy that's bet Nate Lamware against fucking um, – David Anama, Darren Elkins. I'm a huge fan of Nate Lamweir, but the one time he did lose me my money was against Julian Arosa, and he got smoked. And that shows sometimes that he 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 gets it takes a little bit for him to get going. And if that's the case, you're fighting Dan Ige, that you're gonna lose that fight. And I I didn't want to interrupt you, but I I because it's not for me to jump in with anything that I have to say as far as this breakdown, but the over under. I want you to jump on it if you want to right now, because the way you're talking, you're going to look at the under. The under is minus 105. Under yeah, I like, the, I like the under. Yeah, so I wanted to stop you just because I was like, get to get to the window now, because that's probably – I don't know if that's going to stick, because I actually think that although Nate the Train could – everybody thinks that could roll over, I think that Ige is a bad matchup. I think that volume from Ige is not a good thing, and uh, it's going to be interesting. I know that, Nick, you want to jump in on this one. You were more on the Nate side of things. Yo, can you guys see my background? Oh, Nate the Train, <laughs> baby. You already do. I already bet Nate, man. I think Nate's going to control the pressure, man. And we talked about this on Uncle Weezy, too. I thought this since I saw this fight. Dan Ige wins fights where he controls the pressure. And the first round KO, as you said, is live. But I don't think he's going to like the pressure from Nate. I think Nate's constantly getting better. His submission game is constantly improving. And I think at the end of the day, like his durability is what's going to shine here. I think he's going to shoot for takedowns. He's going to land the cleaner shots. And Dan Ige is going to be looking to counterpunch. So I said, I already got a bet on uh, Nate the Train. I said, mom didn't raise no bitch. I'm excited to see another post-fight uh, <laughs> interview. Because <laughs> honestly, it's the best part of watching Nate Landwehr fight. And yeah, man, I said, it's, he's my dog of the week. But honestly, I could see him getting clipped early. I, I will admit it's... It's a very live possibility, but I like Nate the Train, baby. I feel like in UFC specifically, when you put money on something, you want to know what the game plan is. You want to have the confirmation of the game plan. And like with Nate the Train, you put money on him, you just know he's going to fight for your money. But man, some of those fucking... I I just... Some of the feelings that... Some of the antics that he does, like having money on him, huge plus money against David Anama, and he's fucking yelling at the stands, raising his arms and shit, and then he gets clipped. Like, those are memories that don't leave my mind. Horrible fight IQ. Man. I, I don't know, man. And we're in Canada, in Vancouver, first time in a minute. I could see him doing some dumb shit, talking to the fans and getting punched in the face by Dan Nige. There's a lot. He reminds me of Kevin Holland when it comes to, like, 
uh, fight antics inside the octagon, very talented, but you never know how they're going to react with the crowd and stuff like that. And I could definitely see Nate the Train doing something stupid in this fight. But stupid stupidity is how he's got this far in his life, so he must be doing something right. Nick, any any counters to that? Or, or I like that you guys went back and forth. That's going to be fun as fuck to clip. <laughs> That's gonna be a good one. I like that. Yeah, as I honestly, no, I'm not. That, a big... That's why it's good. I like it. It's good yeah. to have both sides I... of the coin and 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 good breakdowns. But yeah, I mean, really, that is the one thing about Nate the Train when he's a dog. It's it's nice to have a guy who fights for your money. But I get the idea of the paths, right? And he's, let's see, uh, like maybe because he's, he's smart, right? Because like... Chan Jung completely controlled Nate the Train, and, or not Nate the Train, sorry, Danny Gay. And if you think about it, like yeah, Chan Sung Jung, he's a much higher level fighter. But also, in retrospect, he's at the tail end of his career, too. Like, that fight happened not that long ago. And I think that, uh, Nate actually has great wrestling. He doesn't use it as often as he should. But if he can't land takedowns, man. You know? I'm going to fuck with you here, Nick. I'm going to run yeah. a narrative on you. They're both on the tail ends of their career, maybe taking that last run at the top. Yeah, you know, Nate the Train wants to just run his show, and he drops Ige. He, instead of jumping on him to wrestle and do what you want him to do, he calls him up, and Ige knocks him the fuck out. <laughs> That's how I see it going, Cal. I love <laughs> Nate the trade, but man, I'll I, stick with the under two and a half. Punch for punch with Dave Ige. Minus not a lot five. of people in this division are going to win that. Fight. Under two and a half. I'm leaving the sub. Nate the trade is my fucking sole animal for the rest of this podcast. Okay, you can, join the the train, you can, you, you can go hang out with Brian Petrie at the MMA Takes Podcast. <laughs> we'll chill over here. All right. That's not a slight at you, sir. If you, You're you not like you're fucking listening. All right, anyways. Next uh, next spot, I'm actually, although I was looking at Darius, and Darius is still something that I, I'm sort of leaning towards. I think I oversold the idea of his fight IQ and, and Weezy sort of poked holes in that, which was good, but... I was really more thinking that, that he's not going to be dumb enough to jump into uh, Oliveira's guard. I think he's going to drop Oliveira a couple times. I think the minus 145 is good. Um, I'm with him on this one. But my spot is switched. In looking at more tape, um, man, I'm going to go bias again. But uh, I'm going to go with Diana Belbita, man. Um, her volume's there. I think that she's got – like, bottom line is I know that she takes one to get one, but she she's got – combinations for days and i think that she has a ironclad chin and then after seeing some of the tape that i saw on her you know running that wrinkle of wrestling first thing i was looking at was the tape um if they do have a takedown prop it might be hard to even find one i don't know if you're going to find one takedown prop plus one diana belbita um that's a spot i'm, I'm willing to look at but right now you can get her at plus 106 um and i'm hoping maybe that more money comes in on marina Oliveira for whatever reason maybe in the stare downs people think that she's more you know monstrative like hanging over i don't know what the height differences and whatever else just for whatever reason i hope that the line flops that way um but yeah man i'm gonna go diana belbita as a pick right now plus 106 works for me but i do like that takedown prop that's more where i'm i'm leaning towards because i think she's gonna get a takedown in this fight i actually agree with you uh a little bit my first pre-flop thought would be um her opponent but then digging deeper into the fight kind of i hate to say this because is not the way to cat fights, but it's a way to research fights. I think the UFC is trying to get Belbita a win by any means here. Split decision that she lost her last fight, and she won that fight. Um, and she trains out of Canada, I heard, around this area in Vancouver and stuff like that, even though she, no, she's down the street here. She's actually yeah. down the street at House of Champions here, so she's 
Um, that's what I'm saying. Like I've been in the gym and watched her hit pads and, and for me, um, 47% takedowns, Maria Oliveira or takedown defense, 47% takedown defense. And I see that Diana Belbita is working wrestling with Adrian Woolley, who's a former, um, MMA fighter and now, uh, one of the heads of police, um, in Ontario. So for me, it's not that it, I don't want to overthink the wrestling. I just think that it's something that they're trying to get better and better. So she can add, you know, if she needs to, to do it. And I think there'll be a time where, you know, Maria might get a little bit better at the stand up, and, and you may see a takedown shot. So I like it if there's any money on it and we'll see if that does, does come out. Sometimes you, it's hard to find. They may just get a, a volume number on strikes and that's all they give you. So. I think one of the benefits of this fight card being in Vancouver is there's a lot of fighters that are going to be featured in this card that you have a lot of close relations with that we're going to be able to take advantage of and maybe not even have to back them or we'll find opportunities to get a prop up on the fight. Um, just wanted to see if there's any other spots that you guys could look at. I know that we were looking at, well, I was looking at Darius's potentially spot at minus 145. Um, is there anything else that sort of jumps off the page to you guys? Uh, yeah, I, there's but, actually uh, my bad. No, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Uh, there's one spot first fight in the main card: Eric Anders versus Mark Andre Barriu. Um, I've been praising the Canadian tonight, but here comes the bash. Here, uh, Anders fights inside the octagon for the first time since December 2022. But Anders has only won two out of his last six fights, so I think he's going to come what somewhat under the radar in the public eye. And he seems to somewhat be turning the corner in his last two fights, knocking out, knocking out Dalkus in impressive fashion, and then a split decision versus Park, a fight that everybody thought in the betting community that he won. Uh, MAB has been in sporadic form, kind of really trading wins and losses since 2021's COVID year. Um, he'll be the hometown favorite in this one with a respectable price tag. So it looks eye appealing to the public, but he's beaten the lower level of the division, Dolce, Lugumbi Gala. Uh, Jordan Wright, but when he takes up that step up in competition, he gets finished by Chidi Nujuguani uh, and Anthony Hernandez. So why I expect this to be a closely contested bout that has on paper more than likely to go the distance. Give me the underdog money on Eric Andrews here. He's a way more dangerous fighter of the two in this matchup. Uh, starting off the main card, but a quick underdog. I wouldn't be surprised if Anders actually gets an early knockout on MAB in the first round and we cash an Anders KO ticket. Is Anders right now training out, out with those Philly boys right now? I heard some rumblings about that. Is he? Uh, let me check his Instagram. But check uh, quick, last but... time that I check his Instagram, it's fight ready. Obviously, he has sort of switched from the idea of, you know, grabbing the hips and leaning into the fence, but it's still there in the back pocket. That's why I think Weezy was looking at potentially as an over. Um, maybe Barrio presses forward. Anders sort of grapples him a little bit, uh, mixes it up, and maybe puts him out late. Um, for me, it was more of a stay off, but I it wasn't shouldn't. I think the overline is a little bit juicy, though. I, I would not want to bet the over in this fight because I definitely think Eric Anders has more, more enough capabilities to knocking out Mark Andre Barrio. I really think he's the way more dangerous fighter of the two, and he has a lot of upside at that plus money. Yeah, I think if you, you match these guys up and you look at the plus money, I think there definitely is an upside there. And it's just a matter of Anders of maybe three or four fights ago shows up. I doubt that though, because there has been a progression, so I can't see that. But um, for me, I was more looking at an over under side of this. What about you, Nick? Is there any any definitive side on this one? I think it was Weezy that had mentioned actually that they that he was potentially um, in Philly. I could be wrong. To me, this is going um, like with Eric Anders, right? Eric Anders is very good at taking that fight, slowing things right down and making it super greasy. 
I think a lot of this is going to come down to who's stronger in the clinch because we know that Barrios is going to have the pressure. That's kind of how he approaches fights. But a lot of times what Eric Anders will do is he'll get pressured and then he'll grab a hold of a guy and he pushes him up against the fence. And then, you know, you kind of have these fights that go back and forth with the cage control. So it's one of these fights I think you probably tackle a little better from a live betting perspective. Um, I think if Barrio wins, it probably is a decision. So you also have the decision to action bet on Eric Anders, depending on how juice that is. He's only been KO'd once, and as much as Barrio gets the name like Power Bomb and stuff like that, I don't think he really comes in with like the most lethal power. Like even in that Jordan Wright fight, man, like Jordan Wright's been KO'd by absolutely everybody, and Barrio hit him with a bunch and then ended up submitting him of all fucking things. Like, so I don't really ma- uh, rate his striking to be that good or that powerful. So. I, I kind of lean Anders just because I think he's probably getting the hometown rub, which is why he's the favorite. But if you look at that line, it's closing. And like some books is only like plus 100 now and stuff like that. So a lot of people are seeing it in the same perspective as you guys. I think Eric Anders is probably my favorite underdog of the week. Um, I think there's a lot of value on that. I if, if I had to line the fight, I would probably line Eric Anders as the minus 125, minus 130 favorite. If they're in the UFC Apex and this wasn't in the Canada. Mm-hmm. No, I, I do have to agree. Because I said, like, Barrio, man, like, like, he's good. But as you point out, like, the little step up in competition really never looks good on him. So, and the guys are that they going to give a, are they going to give a Quebecois uh, a little bit of a rub in Vancouver, though, depending on the judges? Canada or no Canada, who, who knows? So that's Canadian stuff, Canadian stuff. Um, next line I wanted to bring up in the last sort of spot I was looking at was Imabov. I didn't talk about this one yet this week, have I? No. Um, so Imabov, I actually was able to jump on it because it didn't actually move right away, uh, minus 125. I just think that Chris Curtis, the, the path has been shown how to beat him. I think it's not, like I was saying before, it's not pretty to be able to have a guy sort of run away from you and try to stay away from that power. Um, try to point fight you from the outside, landing some kicks, landing some jabs, and then maybe one or two takedowns. I think that, you know, with Curtis, he gets frustrated over commits, um, trying to really land those body shots. And I, normally I'm on the other side of this. Normally I'm, I'm fully with Curtis. I just think Imovov, you know, it's going to look like what Imovov did to Buckley. I think that that's the, the example that we could sort of see. Um, so, yeah, man, I just think that Imovov's aside in this one, I just think he's going to be able to just run an outside game plan, be able to sort of frustrate Curtis, dance away from him because i mean he'd be dumb not to run that game plan that's the way to be curtis there's no point in playing with a guy who can box like that and run body work like that so i mean i know that curtis is live late after working some body work and, and his opponent gets a little bit gassy but i think that even emovov takedowns because curtis's um takedown percentage is so high i think emovov is actually going to get one or two i would even be interested in looking at that as well too um that's pretty much it for that fight as far as anything i was looking at nick and and billy what do you guys think I think the value is gone on that fight, man. Like, Imabov right now is sitting at, like, a minus 155. Like, earlier this week and last week, it was close to a pick on. Yeah, it was kind of all over the place. The over 2.5 is right now is minus 160. I think that's probably the way to play this fight. I, I side pretty heavily with Imabov. Like, I don't even hate the line it's at now. It's just, once again, you know, you see value, the value is gone. I don't want to put money on it. But um, I think Imabov probably dances around him. Like, the script's been written how to beat Curtis. Like, don't engage in a firefight, point fight, and keep your distance. And he gets flustered, and he starts throwing a little bit recklessly. And it's just, you know, he needs to be able to land those counters. So, 
I like even more. Judges don't like that either. They don't like to see temper tantrums in the ring. It just doesn't appear that you're winning. So, yeah, I, I disagree a little bit here. I think Chris Curtis, if uh, when it comes to shouts to Lane Picks fights, he, he he's the one that gave me this one. Always bet on cardio, and I think the cardio between the two is no question in doubt in the Chris Curtis favor has the experience advantage, and he's probably going to land more strikes per minute. Five-round fight, maybe this would be a little bit different or something like that. Maybe even involve my, uh, you know, revenge his losses. But three-round fight, who's to say even involved doesn't come out too hot and uh, time goes off the clock a little bit quicker than he expected, and Chris Curtis just lands to more strikes. Um, I also think the fact that Imavol fought Sean Strickland, who's Chris Curtis's best friend, that has to help him in this spot. He's going to be pretty much prepared for everything that uh, Imavol is going to throw at him. And the fights that he's been really prepared for, like Brandon Allen is a former teammate. Uh, Phil Halls is another person that he's seen that in training. Uh, Kevin Gaslam wasn't a person that he's seen in training, but Buckley was. And all the people that he's seen before in Vegas and he's trained with, he smoked them. So I, I, I don't think he smokes Imavol. I'd be more interested in probably the overs and the time props in this fight. But um, give me Chris Curtis here, man. I think he's going to uh, continue the loss train for Imavol. I think this is a bad fight for Imavol to take. That actually is a very good point that Curtis probably has been a part of at least two to four camps uh, for Imabov. But uh, yeah, I, I think that obviously Curtis is live. When we when I mentioned the line, we had talked about, you know, Curtis add, adding that Curtis third round, but maybe even look at if you did hit Imabov early at minus 125, now you can look at Curtis live after that first round. Maybe if you get any value on that, if it is there to play. Um, but yeah, I'm uh, still sticking with my, my guns with Imavov, and I will look at that takedown prop because I think that that potentially could have some value on it. So, I think um, if you play Curtis too, you probably play inside the distance because, like, in most of Curtis's fights, like he drops always the first round, so he usually starts these fights behind. Regardless, it's only three rounds. Neither one of these guys throws a shit ton of volume. So I think if Curtis wins, it's more than likely a KO. It's plus 450 right now. Like, I don't hate a sprinkle on that because you do bring up the good issue with, like, the cardio that Imov has been finished late because he does tend to tire out. Sean Strickland's not really a potent finisher or anything like that, so I'm not surprised that he can get it done. But that's how I would play it if I was on the Curtis side. That's it. I just see Imov dancing around him, though. But it's, it's greasy, man. There's a couple of, one of these fights where it's, you know... And it, no, it's like, we get to see all sides of it and we break down all the angles on it. So it was actually perfect. We get to, you know what I mean? I'll tell you right um, now, if you're looking to make a lot of money this weekend, don't bet that fight. Yeah, exactly. So you, you think Curtis is going to be the dog? Our Mr. ROI comes back with his, his dog money. Yeah. All right. It's just like, yeah, I, I, I kind of think on paper, this goes to like decision and, I don't want to be betting on decisions in Vancouver. Yeah, you don't know what kind of judges are going to get in there. I don't know who they're going to be bringing to the table. Yeah, and they haven't been in Vancouver in a long time, so I don't know what uh, the deal is. But I still minus one twenty five. I'll take it. But I get it where the value is completely gone, and and you're not going to want to do that. You want to look on the other side of it because you're well. You'll see see what happens in, in the weigh ins because even Bob is I think a little bit bigger, so you may get a little bit more money on uh, Curtis as a dog going into. Um, the fight. Any other spots you guys looking at? 
Um, what about the Zahabi fight? Um, Zahabi versus Orichi Lang. Um, are they trying to build up Zahabi here in this fight? I mean, I kind of felt like they. It felt like his last fight with him and Ricky Torque. Uh, I can't say that dude's last name. Tercio. Turquoise. Uh, Tercio, whatever his last name is. It felt like the winner of that fight in the Apex was going to get pushed and. Here we are. Now Zahabi's in his hometown fighting against Arichi Lang, somebody that um he's talented and a decent opponent, but I don't think Arichi Lang should I don't know. He, before he got in the UFC Zahabi's low volume, man. Yeah, Zahabi's before he fought he went at Bantamweight, then he came to the UFC, fought at flyweight, flamed out at flyweight, then looked decent somewhat against Jay Perrin, but gassed in that fight, late in that fight. He he did not look good in the third round. Is Zahabi a live dog here in this spot? I mean, plus 100 would tell you. Yeah, so I honestly I like Zahabi in this fight. I looked a little more into this fight than I should have because I was trying to find a Canadian that I was confident in. And, you know, this is Pro Zahabi's brother, right? They're going to have GSP and everything like that. Uh, he took a lot of time off because he had twins and he was focusing just on training and stuff like that. Like, you know, there was that couple-year gap between 2019 and his last two fights. He has looked a lot better in his last two fights than he did prior to it. So, and I'm with you, man. Like, I don't really like a Richie Lang. Like, I don't think he's necessarily UFC quality. And I think the reason why they're giving him this fight is because I think Zahabi has the skills just to beat him. That line's closed a lot. You know, even some books are now minus 105. I see Zahabi closing as the favorite come the end of the week. So, I like that plus 100, man. I jump on him. I'm going to place a bet on it probably after the show. I like it, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I was on Zahabi big time um, in the Tercios fight. Tercios came out with that weird, you know, lifting up his knee and slamming his foot into the mat and yelling kias and doing whatever he was doing. Um, just the low volume of Zahabi sort of scares me off, but I do see what you guys are looking at. Um, but I'm likely going to probably stay off that one. We'll see We'll see where the line's sitting at uh, right before fight time. Though. But on that PFL card, uh, Taylor Johnson at underdog money, is probably going to be my underdog in the night against Andrew Sanchez. Um, I like the wrestling style of Taylor Johnson and bet on him before in different promotions. I like him here in this spot. And then another spot is – I know Bubba Jenkins definitely needs a win to make it into the playoffs, uh, and it's probably going to come by decision. Um, Martin Hamlet more than likely is probably going to get a finish because – he needs a finish to make the playoffs. Moby Kubialov's in that same exact scenario. He needs a finish to make the playoffs. Brandon Lofney, um, he could secure a number one seed with a finish, but he can also be locked into the playoffs with a win. His line's minus 500. While that seems a little bit juiced on paper, um, I don't think it is. And then another big underdog is uh, – Abigail Montez, I want to do a little bit more research about her playoff implication scenario. Um, because if that's a showcase fight against uh Brandy Hester, uh, I think that underdog could be live at plus 350. Has anybody yeah, looked into one... Marlon Mar uh, Marlon Morris's opponent? Like I'm looking at it now in topology. The guy's faced a completely abysmal fucking competition. And the only Can Marlon Marais take a punch to the face in the year 2023? I don't think so. But yeah, I don't know, man. Then his legs part. got taken out in his last fight. Like, I'm just not – I mean, he was literally taken out at his wheels. So, I mean, if that happens again, I'm not playing that game. I don't know. 
Marais is a scary one. Um, I will we'll look at the Josh Silvera uh, submissions round one and two. Although uh, you know it, you did prove a good uh, prove a good point there, Billy. He could just sort of get top position on Delon Monte and sort of ride him out and sort of grapple him for three rounds for decision. But I think he's going to want to stay away from the power of Monte and uh, get it to the ground as fast as possible. Um, his win condition to me would be a sub, but decisions there too. So maybe sub decision if you can find it. PFL probably not. So I'll just probably just sprinkle sprinkle some round props for one and two uh, submissions. Two showcase fights on the early prelims on that card. Uh, Impa Kasaganai, minus 450. Uh, former UFC fighter, most historically known for getting knocked out by Joe Queen Buckley. Well, he's looked really good in that, uh, in that over there in the PFL. And I think they're trying to build up Impa's record a little bit as he's moving up a weight class. And I think he smokes this Tim Karen guy. And then um, Alexi Pegarandi, he didn't make the uh, tournament this year but he's been one of their guys that they've been featuring as like the first fight of the night as uh showcase fights. And um, he's been smoking people. I like him here uh, this weekend. Um, I think there's a, I, I actually like the PFL card from a betting perspective more than the UFC card this weekend. I, uh, I definitely like Gimpa in, um, in a parlay. I actually, I think he's going to ride in that fight. Um, so, and I didn't even realize I, the line I feel was like minus 400. I'll take it. I feel like with some of the UFC fights, it's very close contested bouts. But in the PFL, the best time to bet in the PFL is after the first round of fights because everybody has certain playoff implications. Like it's not like uh, it's not like two people are fighting for the Joe Schmo of it, and a purse is handed out at the end of the fight. Like no, there's certain fights that you have to win by a certain way and then this is the quick turnaround fight because they're going to fight again before the summer's over so a lot of these people in this card have a lot of different things that they are really motivated to get you'll see it in the interviews and stuff like that um i think for betters that makes us a, a more betting opportunity maybe you don't like the line at minus 400 or something like that then bet the under if you can find the under or something like that i feel like we know more information about the pfl than we do about the ufc this week honestly fair enough i, I think that i didn't you know it's something i've never really looked at because we don't really jump into the pfl too much but it's such a good way to look at it when you have a win condition that you need you need to finish um there's just money out there for you so i like that definitely going to be tailing you more on twitter when it comes to the pfl <laughs> um nick anything else on the outro i'm good brother said what i gotta say nate the train baby taking it home Moment <laughs> for nick eli and billy briz i'm Callum mcgregor tune into the dotap podcast